0: welcome to the open bedroom podcast i'm your host jennifer calo welcome to conversations about open relationships online dating conscious uncoupling and creating the relationship that truly aligns for you if you enjoy this podcast i hope that you do a couple things for us would you subscribe would you write a review maybe share us with your friends and if you extra extra like us There's a link in the show notes here for my Patreon that does help pay for the creation of this podcast. And lastly, follow us on The Open Bedroom. We are on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to episode 100. I can't believe it's been 100 episodes. It has gone by so quickly. And I am joined by... Tony and Christina. You guys have seen them on the podcast now three different times. Mm-hmm. And this is now episode number four. And I thought, who better to bring on the podcast to help celebrate episode 100 other than like the three top episodes? So let me read you our three top episodes. The first one is episode number 42, Open Relationships 101. Mm-hmm.
1: That was you, our first one. That
0: yeah. was our first one. Do you guys remember? Our- Kind of have what we talked about, or a little bit, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think we just laid down the basics for just like open relationships in general, and talked about some terminology. Yeah, mm-hmm. if from what I remember,
2: mm-hmm.
0: we did. And interestingly, it's it's our most listened to podcast episode. The second one is we came back and we did an open relationships part two Mm -hmm. that I think was a little bit more blocking and tackling, like how to ask your partner Mm -hmm. for an open relationship. Mm
3: -hmm. And then Mm -hmm.
0: if they say, fuck, no, (laughs) then what do you do? Right.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And if they say yes, then like, what's the next steps? Like how, how do you even get into it when you're coming from a place of monogamy? So. Exactly.
0: So that was a good one, too. That was episode number 48. So episode 42, episode 48. And then our most recent episode number 56, Sexcapades. Now, this one was really fun because Tony and Chris at this point had already moved to Baja. And, um, and I'll let them tell their story in just a second. But Um, this particular episode is sexy. We talk about our favorite sex stories, Mm -hmm. being in the lifestyle. You guys talk about a swinger party or a lifestyle party that you went to. Mm -hmm. That was really awkward as fuck. (laughs) We also shared like some really yummy fun stories Uh as well as like things that did not go well.
1: Uh Awkward experiences (laughs) as well. So yeah, that was a fun podcast.
0: Yeah, cuz sometimes it's great and sometimes it's awkward. So true. Mm-hmm. So today I thought it would be fun to just get an update from you too. Like where are you in the world other than right now mm-hmm. being in Northwest Arkansas live with me? Mm-hmm. But normally where are you? What are you up to in the world and how has your open relationship mm-hmm. morphed and changed since we've seen you last? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You want to talk about where?
3: Yeah. Well, we live in Todos Santos, Baja California, Mexico. Um, So that's where we spend most of our time now. Um, And how has it changed since living there? I think like the number one thing that's different about down there is there's just not as many options when it comes to other partners, other people. So, yeah
1: not much of a community. Uh-huh. There's only, we only know of one yeah. publicly open couple
0: uh-huh.
3: that we've
1: become really good friends with. Yep. Um yeah. Is this a cultural
3: thing? Well, yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of American people where we live. Um but culturally like Mexican people are definitely they're Catholic most of the time, so mm-hmm. you're not going to find open relationships there probably at all. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and I would say like whenever we do have our dating apps turned on,
3: yeah,
1: it, down in Mexico, it's a lot of tourists that are yeah. like there for the week. Yeah, so which in, is not really what we're looking for in yeah. our relationship. Is this like, oh, you're in town for a week, so let's have a quick like one night stand and then your vacation's over and you go back home. So yeah. like it, there is a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, like once or twice a year we. Mm-hmm we do like that type of setting Mm -hmm. of a short term for fun, but you know that's not really like what we're looking for in our relationship. So Mm -hmm. that's, there's a lot of that on the dating and there's, we've only seen a handful of like local Mexican, like individuals that are open to the idea of a non-monogamous situation. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, there's just not a big open community there. Mm -hmm. Um, which is not a big deal for us. And like, to, to speak to how it's changed us. Mm. That's a good, like, so a segue <laughs> into like, the, all of the different types of polyamory yeah, and hard. how that it's like, there's this um, like idea that if you're non monogamous, you're just like, you have sex dates three nights a week. And it's like, not to say that there's anything wrong with that because a lot of people do that Mm -hmm. we don't like even whenever we were in america and we had a large opportunity a large Mm -hmm. non-monogamous community um even when we had opportunity we still only dated outside of our union a little bit you know we sometimes would go a year without seeing another person um in a intimate sexual space so Mm -hmm. Um, I would say moving down there, it was, it didn't change much in like the frequency because like long periods in between dates was Mm -hmm. not uncommon for us, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but the opportunity not being there, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the reason why I say the reason why it works for us. Cause even if we do go two years in between dates, like I still have the opportunity. You still have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's not. We're not monogamous. We have the opportunity to go date if we want to. Mm-hmm. So like being in Mexico, it, it feels like there's, there's like this energetic, like,
2: yeah.
1: if I, I don't want to, but if I wanted to, I don't know if I could find a yeah. partner mm-hmm. other than the tourists that are cycling mm-hmm. through. So, so that was a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but meeting the other couple that's, you know, publicly open, um, Mm -hmm. and becoming really good friends with them. Mm -hmm. We're not dating them. We're actually just really good friends with them. Um, yeah, it's like meeting them has really helped just like knowing that there's another non-monogamous couple in the town. And I'm sure there are others that are just not public about it, Yeah. but we know for sure there's another couple Mm -hmm. and, you know, they have a lot of the same aspirations of us as like, developing a sex positive community and being a little bit more public and maybe even one day rolling into like i don't know a retreat or an event or something to just like you know um along with the sex positive open community there's also this bdsm community that kind of like Uh, and we had a a person yeah uh, yeah, a lady that came over from mexico city Uh and hosted a shibari event yeah so it's like
2: Mm -hmm. like us
1: and that other couple were like hey this could be really good for like if people are start to show up for these bdsm events that's there could be some carryover of people that are maybe also interested in non-monogamy yeah so so it's for us it's like we're trying to build the community there yeah Interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that some people listening can somewhat empathize with you and that they're like, I live in a really small town Mm -hmm. or I just moved somewhere new and I can't find anyone that's open like me. Mm -hmm. And so you're, so you guys are talking about actually kind of growing your tribe of non-monogamous people through either education or bringing events to your area that might draw them to you. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. For sure.
0: How else do you date when
2: everyone around you is monogamous Mm -hmm. and Catholic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's grow a
1: community where you're at, or it's like, I mean, I know like the things that we've talked about is like, okay, what if it is just like our annual trip up here where we Mm -hmm. come to the States for the summer, we reconnect with all of our friends here. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe we take the, the swingers cruise in November. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, it's like you start to plan vacations around connecting with these people that you You have to have virtual relationships Mm -hmm. throughout the year so like to me that's that's probably the route that a lot of people are going to go because building a community and like it takes a lot of time it takes Mm -hmm. a lot of courage Mm -hmm. to show up and be like the one couple in town that's openly talking about that Mm
3: -hmm. stuff i mean just like our friends that we did meet that are open they've said they've been there longer than we have in baja they mm-hmm. said they've been, like, calling in people like them, like oh. us, for, like, I don't know. manifest years. So, it takes time. Yeah. But, yeah, you can do trips. Like, Mexico City does have, is a little bit more open. So, there's, like, other clubs you can go to, things you can do there. There's way more options there. So, taking mm-hmm. trips is a really good option. Yeah. we will definitely do that.
2: Yeah.
3: In the future.
1: Yeah, it's cheap to take trips yeah. from one place in Mexico to another. So, mm-hmm. we do have that. It's... Like we're way on the other side from Cancun, but it'd be like a $90 flight to, to cross Mexico to Cancun to go to like a swingers resort or something. Mm
2: -hmm. So. Nice. Yeah.
0: And it feels like if you look at the entire landscape Mm -hmm. anyway, of your lives, Mm -hmm. being in an open relationship is really just a sliver of Mm -hmm. who not only you are, but who you're becoming, what's unfolding. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about what you've been up to in Mexico?
2: Mm. yeah yeah
1: that'd be fun um so through the process of building the relationship and building the community um uh, what's come up for us a lot and it actually started a few years ago like really developing our own relationship like because you know that's a big part of the process for us is like not only are we like open to other relationships but how do we make our personal relationship, our union, the Mm -hmm. best it possibly can be. So whether that's through experimenting in BDSM, one of the big tools for us was starting to learn about Tantra Mm -hmm. and sacred sexuality. Mm -hmm. So we've been studying that for a few years now. And through Mm -hmm. that came a lot of different avenues and a lot of different ways you can go with that. Um, we also are, um, Plant medicine advocates <laughs> um so like working with um mdma therapeutically yes. is big in our awareness mm-hmm. um and one of the biggest shifts for me and like what we're up to and what we're trying to build and create for the future we have been practicing for a little over a year now holding space for couples mm-hmm. um i can't remember which word you can and can't say that's counseling or therapy but um We hold space for couples in a therapeutic Mm -hmm. manner while, yeah, assistance with MDMA. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing that for a little while now. Um, And that, since we got to Mexico, where a lot more things are legal Mm -hmm. and you can, there's, I mean, there's peyote ceremonies ayahuasca ceremonies everything is being like advertised publicly on social media so there's a lot more um opportunity to work in the plant medicine space Mm -hmm. in the tantric space Mm -hmm. Um, and while that's really taboo for a lot of people to mix plant medicine and tantra Mm -hmm. and that's not my um not my desire to like just bring plant medicine into the Tantra space, but out of people that are already very um, well-versed in the Tantric space that are also well-versed in plant medicine, Mm -hmm. creating this like separate little bubble where you can pull from both worlds Mm -hmm. and being, we're sound healers. We created a little event um, a few months ago where we did MDMA assisted like couples therapy, Mm -hmm. And we provided sound healing, Mm -hmm. and we provided MDMA, Mm -hmm. and we had this little trifecta of just like one of the most juicy Mm -hmm. events, experiences I've ever been a part of. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know that there's a handful of us down there that are talking about bringing more of that into the space and starting to talk about what all that could look like.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So
1: that's a big thing that we're up to.
2: Since you crack
0: mm. open that door, I'd like to dig in a little further and walk okay. through.
2: Okay,
0: okay. Uh, so for a lot of us listening or watching, I'm still like half off the screen, but yeah. for a lot of us listening and watching, we may have heard of MDMA and we don't really understand it. And mm. and so I'm curious if you could explain maybe why would you do it, what is it mm. for, and then mm-hmm. as you explain this like really juicy experience, mm-hmm. what? tell us a little bit more about the shooting experience Mm -hmm. because some people might want to come down to Mexico and have Mm -hmm. this experience with you.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: I would like, I would let you like scientifically explain what MDMA is. Okay. Maybe. And then we can go into like, what does it do? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. So I would definitely start with, by suggesting going out and finding like a documentary, like um, one of the best ones is Michael Pollan's, um, uh-huh. Gosh, I can't remember the uh-huh. name of it, but it was a four part series on Netflix, on Netflix and it was, yeah. it was based on his book and he did an episode on mushrooms, an episode on LSD, an episode on MDMA. Uh-huh. And then the last episode was on mescaline. Okay. So the different cacti yeah, medicines. So that series is amazing yes. for the four primary medicines that we work with yeah, and why you work with them and specifically what they do.
2: Yeah,
1: I highly recommend that series. Okay. Um, I think it's like how to change your mind or something very similar to that. Um, MDMA is. Um, I've been referring to that the using the term plant medicine because all three of those others, or well, I'm sorry, mushrooms and peyote or mescaline is you know plant medicine. It's natural. It's from the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, those are both very psychedelic in nature, mm-hmm. and those both um, facilitate a very like connecting to source, connecting to God, connecting to insert, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever term you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. The synthetics um, MDMA um, is a medicine. And this is where I first started researching, looking at what the maps Institute is doing Mm -hmm. out in California Um, decades of research in, in the therapeutic usage. So important to designate mdma is very commonly used in like the rave scene Mm -hmm. so it is uh, an amplifier Mm -hmm. of everything that feels good Mm -hmm. so that's why you'll see it's probably one of the most common substances to use a rave at concert light shows music sex everything that is external stimulus that feels good it's going to make that feel a hundred times better yeah um that's why it is awesome for the juicy part <laughs> of the, of the, of We're the get event it. <laughs> what it's doing therapeutically okay and if you start to research all of rick doblin's work at the maps institute it basically to explain it in as easy as i can it dissolves the mm-hmm. filters and the walls and the barriers that your brain has made to protect you from trauma yeah to keep you from looking at things mm-hmm. so if you want to think about like
2: mm-hmm.
1: if if we had a very traumatic experience and I did something, you know, that like caused some trauma between the two of us, it, it would be a normal human thing for there to be like a wall there and for us to just avoid that topic. Uh-huh. But whenever we sit with MDMA yeah. together, that is just not there. Uh-huh. And then we can have a very deep conversation from an extremely loving space uh-huh. of like, I didn't intend to make you feel this way when I said that thing. Yeah. And so that's why it's so, so powerful yeah. in a therapeutic space. Because it just, like, it it reduces any, it almost completely makes everything go away that keeps you from doing work, mm-hmm. that keeps you from looking into those dark...
0: It's like a truth serum. Yeah, kind of. Yes,
1: yeah. yes, mm-hmm. I would say so. Mm-hmm. It, but, and when we first started working with it, we were just doing it to, like, amplify our relationship mm-hmm. and and like honestly we started from the space of just like this is going to make sex great right like let's just dose and have sex for five hours We yeah, should do Which is <laughs> <that>. <laughs> and, and but what started happening is we would be like in the middle of building yeah. up to sex yeah and i would be like oh my gosh i'm getting like flooded with childhood memories and Mm -hmm. things that I need to talk about and can we pause this for a second Mm -hmm. and just sit up and have a conversation and there was like multiple times where we would just pause the the fun stuff Mm -hmm. and just like come to a seated position and be like this is what I'm remembering happened to me as a child and now that I can notice Mm -hmm. that like you know my parents were doing the best that they possibly could with the tools that they had and it was maybe even like the same decision I would have made in that time, in that space, like while it was very upsetting to me and created this thing that feels like trauma Mm -hmm. to me, I like completely let go of it Mm -hmm. and come to a place of like having a lot of forgiveness for my parents. Mm -hmm. So, and amplifying our relationship. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. like that is MDMA as well as, five hours of great sex. Yeah. So like both of those are possible on that specific substance. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so powerful because mm-hmm. you can, you can sit down in that space and go through these like eye gazing communication drills that, you know, we take people through in relationship mm-hmm. co- coaching.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and they're in that space of being able to have these hard conversations and there's, it's five hours. So there's plenty of time for fun stuff at the end of it as well. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think like to its essence, it just connects you to your to pleasure. But pleasure is like so much more than just sex. It could be like food. If you eat a grape, it's going to be like the most amazing grape you've ever had. Mm. Um, it connects you to like, I think a really fun, but subtle part of it is like at first, when you're first starting to feel it, you kind of just start feeling like a kid. And you're like, Oh, like, I want to go dip my feet in the water because that feels so fun. Or like, let's play mm-hmm. a game. Like, you're just connected to your pleasure and all of the all of your senses are connected with that. So it's, it's really beautiful medicine. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Dancing, singing, dancing.
3: Yeah. Coloring, like
1: great stuff. Great activities. Like like you're saying
3: you, you lose the barriers and some barriers that we have is like, we're adults. We can't, you know, go play anymore. A lot of people Mm -hmm. feel like they can't do that, but that's like when it first starts, that's one of the first things that it starts like introducing back into your body is like, oh, let's go play. And like a lot of times we're like, we take turns where it's like, oh, I want to do this. And then we do that for a little bit. And then he's like, oh, but like, what if we do this? This would be so good. And there, it's all like small things like dipping our feet in the water, going and playing in the sand. It's like, it's so beautiful. Yeah. It's so fun.
0: It's just like, I'm going to bury you in sand right now. Yeah. It'll feel so good. Yeah. Uh
3: All of
0: that. So when couples come to you and they're like, "Okay, I want to do this whole MDMA thing. Can you hold space for me? We have shit we need to process, and then we fuck <laughs> for three hours. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that actually look like? Was it? Is like that what it looks like? The,
1: the schedule, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's first. it's very much exactly <laughs> like that. So we, I mean, it's a very I pull from the therapeutic space but I also pull from the ceremonial space mm-hmm. from previously holding space in mushrooms. Mm-hmm. So it looks like a combination of the both whenever we host whenever we host those events. Mm-hmm. So we'll sit down in a circle, we'll sage, we'll light incense, we'll light candles, we'll um we'll we'll speak our intentions into the space mm-hmm. we'll have a very conscious conversation mm-hmm. um we'll educate depending on how familiar they are with the medicine mm-hmm. if they've used the medicine outside of the rave scene because mm-hmm. that's another big thing of like re-educating people of what these substances are like what the purpose is mm-hmm. um so we'll there'll be a little bit of education we'll all dose together in a very ceremonial setting mm-hmm. um and then and then you've got like 45 minutes before it really starts to come on. So yeah. that first 45 minutes is a very just like talking, setting intention, setting mm-hmm. space. Maybe maybe we stay in circle and talk. Maybe we go right into depending on the couple and mm-hmm. what, it, what the intention is for them. Um, sometimes it's a good idea to like go ahead and just jump immediately right into like getting them into like an eye gazing exercise mm-hmm. where they're starting to communicate about, what their struggles are what their what their big wins are in their mm-hmm. relationship that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. kind of like start to set the tone for the evening mm-hmm. and then there's also a lot of like starting to bring in compassionate touch mm-hmm. and like guiding like maybe it would be a good idea for you to for you to rub each other's feet mm-hmm. while you're having this conversation so <laughs> yeah so there's a lot of that on the come up
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then What we have found is actually like the most important part about all of it is like a lot of medicines, the medicine is going to deliver what you need, Mm -hmm. not necessarily what you want. So like I may have this really strict schedule of how I think the perfect setting would be. And which could look like at 45 minutes when you first start to fill the peak, I feel like it'd be an amazing space for a couple to be in an eye gazing exercise. and talking about how they feel about each other mm-hmm. as that medicine is coming on
2: mm-hmm.
1: where they may be just like have so much energy and all they need to do is to get up and dance and move. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a lot of suggestions mm-hmm. on our part of like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: depending on how you're feeling, we could do this or we could do this or we could do this. So it's always like uh, I'm imagining like the video game, the like the role play where it's like you get to this person and you have to pick the three things. And it's like you could go on these three different paths. <laughs> so it's like there's one of those like every 20 to 30 minutes in in this event. Mm-hmm. Of, and it really dictates where their headspace is mm-hmm. what is what is moving through them mm-hmm. and what is like their intention to get yeah. out of it yeah. are they do they just need to be have some childlike play and have fun together yeah and
2: mm-hmm.
1: and get to that space back to that space in their relationship yeah. where they just enjoy being around each other mm-hmm. and playing together yeah or do i need to like encourage them to fight that urge to get up and move and play because there's something really serious that yeah, that movement could be
2: Mm-hmm. They're just like
1: distraction <laughs> method mm-hmm. to try to avoid having the hard conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's very like intuitive on our part mm-hmm. of like what listening to them and reading their body language and what all is possible in that space. Yeah. Cause it could go a lot of different routes.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, and then, yeah, so there's a lot of holding all of the different things that could happen. And then our intention always is mm-hmm. to, There's, there's like a moment where it's like two and a half, maybe three hours in where you start to feel sober, but the medicine is still strong in Mm -hmm. your system and the work is over. And then Mm -hmm. we gather our things and then we like politely let ourselves out of the space. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, your massage table is set up. You've still got an hour of feeling really good. Mm -hmm. You all should take what work we've done and like explore intimate touch, Mm -hmm. explore whatever feels good for you in this moment. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we try to leave the space if it's, if it's a not a non-monogamous like Mm -hmm. space where we would be involved in that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so we leave the space Mm -hmm. and allow them to have that like last juicy hour, hour and a half of medicine in the system Mm -hmm. to amplify their Mm -hmm. sexual Mm -hmm. space.
0: Hey there. Did you know that I do online coaching? Yes, I do online coaching in the sex and relationship space. Some of the topics that are near and dear to my heart are open relationships. So that includes polyamory swinging or what we call the lifestyle. I also love conversations around online dating. We're talking Bumble, Tinder, Field, and more. And then the last thing that's really passionate and close to my heart is conscious uncoupling. That means we get to break up with people with love and respect, with dignity and hope. We get to create a life for our children that gets to be a little bit different. We can do things better than we have in the past. So if any of these topics sound interesting to you and you'd love to get some coaching from me, check out the link in the show notes, or the link in my bio for more information on coaching with Jen. Okay. So I feel like I have one more question as it relates to this. And that's really what type of couple is this for? Like, if you've done the therapy, you've done all the work that you can, and you're like, I still want to save our relationship. Is this like a last ditch effort? Or is this like, Hey, we've been realizing in our relationship that there's just like unresolved shit or like we're so fucking serious in our real life and we want to figure out how to play together and connect in a different level like who are you looking for to come play with you in mexico in this experience
3: i think both like where we started it between us was just to like we had an amazing relationship want it to get even more amazing there wasn't necessarily anything we needed to fix or do but we just wanted to work on our relationship and make it even stronger. So that was our scenario. Mm -hmm. But I think it also could be like you said, like you're at your very end and, but you really want to do something, you know, you want to keep fighting. This could also be that, that could be the thing that not fixes it, but gets you back on the path to reconnecting with your partner. It can be both. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: I'll I'll agree with that. Mm -hmm. I'll agree with that in terms of the medicine and what it's capable for. Mm -hmm. And then I'll, because your question was posed, is, who are we looking for? Okay. And it and it's for it's for not people that are looking for the last such effort. Okay. Because I feel like, I feel like if you've tried everything else and you've went to therapy, you've done these things and you've done all of this stuff. <laughs> there's a pretty low percentage that this is going to be the thing that fixes it. Especially if you already have this preconceived idea of like, I've tried everything.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You already expect it to also be a failure. So I'm not looking for that.
0: Yeah. I don't think that's what I meant. So I was, again, you know how we always like reference from our own Uh point. So for me, I was thinking about, you know, a year ago when Scott and I were desperately trying to figure out how to stay together and have somewhat of an open relationship. Uh And Mm -hmm. even our own polyamorous therapist Uh was saying, I think y'all are just going to have to break up. Uh Like you Mm -hmm. can't seem to agree on anything. And I wonder if an experience like this would have helped open up additional ideas or opened our hearts more or softened our hearts. Even where like one person was like, this is the only way Uh to be. And I was like, this is the only way I'm going to be. And like, I wonder, you know, cause, because in that instance, like you're looking for, a, for a way to save your thing. It's mm-hmm. not that you've given up. You're like, there fucking has to be a, something mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. that can break past like our mental walls and constructs and programming that can yeah. give us the solution that we need.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be great for situations like that. Mm-hmm. If it's just like, if, if one or two people are stuck. Yeah. And they're stuck in a really hard boundary. It may be that that boundary is there for a reason, and that's their truth. Mm-hmm. But it could be that dissolving those walls mm-hmm. allows them to see that there might actually be other potential. Out what about like
0: addiction issues? Mm-hmm. Is um, it something that might help kind of shake? It's not. Shake it's
1: that not move? the one. It's not the medicine that I would push um, uh, I would somebody push. that's dealing with addiction okay. or suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other plant medicines that are way stronger for that are out there. And the reason why I say, like, uh, what I started to say is, like, who is it good for? Mm -hmm. I mean, this medicine is most commonly in the therapeutic space, in the clinical trials. Mm -hmm. It's being shown to be one of the best possible medicines for, like, severe PTSD, Mm -hmm. suicidal combat veterans. Mm -hmm. So, like, some of the worst mental trauma, like, on the planet out Mm -hmm. there. Like this is the medicine that's helping them. Wow. So, so it is the medicine for some extreme work to be done. Um, just that's not the work that I'm yeah. currently facilitating because yeah, I'm, I'm not, a am not a therapist. Yeah. I'm just not a therapist. So
2: yeah. As well.
1: Yeah. So I'm looking for my, yeah. Like she said, mm-hmm. like, like my preferred couple it, to work with is somebody that, Already has done a lot of the work. Mm-hmm. They're in a they're in a medium to mm-hmm. medium well phase in their relationship. <laughs> like a steak. <laughs> they're they're pretty good, and they're just looking for. I want to make really good, amazing. That's that's yeah. that's who I like to work with. They already have some tools, yeah. and they're looking for a couple more.
0: All right, so mm-hmm. Chris, anything else to add to this? Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to mm-hmm. j- move us into something different. Okay. So- outside of this whole MDMA thing. Uh I mean, you guys are still doing a lot of other things in Mexico. You're doing men's work and men's Mm -hmm. circles and sound Mm -hmm. bowl healings. And Mm
2: -hmm. like,
0: it feels like, and I've known y'all now for a bunch of years Mm -hmm. and it took like moving out of the country into a totally new space to feel really free, maybe to use like your magic and your gifts and really let it Mm unfold. And so I'm curious for those of us that are hesitant Mm-hmm. to unleash our gifts mm-hmm. and we know that they're freaking there. What kind of encouragement would you have? Or maybe like based on this experience, does it take moving to a whole nother country and culture <laughs> to, to like shake that loose? Yeah. What do you think?
1: Well, I want to preface this uh-huh. first by saying that my experience may not be the same for everybody else <laughs> because a lot of people, especially in the coaching space, I've see it over and over and over that they're like, this is what work, worked for me. Yeah. So this is what you should do. Yeah. So like, I want to explain what worked for me mm-hmm. and if it resonates with their listener, mm-hmm. then maybe it's what's right for them. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a lot of other tools that I'm aware of for stepping into your power. Mm-hmm. I will say that moving out of my hometown was like the ticket for me. And I want to like, explain like the energetics behind that. Okay, And, and it's not to like be negative towards anybody that I've known for my whole life, whether mm-hmm. it's friend or whether it's high school friend or family or whatever, like I have been a bunch of different versions of me. Mm-hmm. And so my family and friends have like witnessed every version of me. So like, And that's what we do when we create a judgment about a person. Mm -hmm. We look at and consider all of the information that we have. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And like if you knew me at my like early 20s (laughs) fuck up phase where I was like
0: the shittiest version of where
1: I was (laughs) the shittiest version of me and not not spiritual, not health conscious, not not even a good person (laughs) most of the day. Um Like, that's part of your idea of me. Uh And when you're surrounded by uh, an entire city
2: Mm -hmm.
1: that that you Mm -hmm. attach that to. Mm -hmm. So, like, not only do other people that know you maybe see you for everything you have been, plus what you are now, Mm -hmm. you're also conscious, unconsciously doing that to yourself. Mm -hmm. So that, and I think that's a lot of imposter syndrome that shows up for a lot of people. (laughs) I think that's a lot of like insecurities that shows up for people is like, you're aware of every other version of yourself. And so is everybody around you. So, so you reinforce that by not stepping into your power you reinforce that by maybe not be being super confident whenever you go to sit on a podcast or walk into a classroom full of people to share your magic so self-doubt comes plays a big part if you're surrounded by old versions of yourself and perceptions of old versions of yourself mm-hmm. and what we noticed i wasn't even aware of it but whenever we started traveling in 2020 and we started making friends on the road people were like, had seen who we are Mm -hmm. at that moment. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Oh, you're a sound healer. You're Mm -hmm. a coach. You're this, you're that you're a yoga teacher. You're, you also have fitness knowledge. Well, like all of these things, you're like, you're a conscious, pretty good guy.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And, and like have a good relationship Mm -hmm. and all of these things, like we started being like really seen in a different light. Yeah. And it, Mm -hmm. and it, And at Mm -hmm. first I was like, oh my gosh, these people respect me and I'm being disrespected at home. Mm -hmm. And which is like, total was my story for a little while, Mm -hmm. which is totally not true. They just have a different subset of information that they know about me.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: it's like, I don't hold that judgment over people here anymore, Mm -hmm. but I did for a while, Mm -hmm. but stepping outside of that. I was like, you're right. I am a yoga teacher and I am a sound healer. And I can fucking do these things. And I will do these things.
2: Yeah.
1: And and we stepped into it and we just started growing like exponentially faster than we were here.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And now coming back here with knowing all of these things and then like not judging people that were judging me because they knew all of me, mm-hmm. like just letting go of all of that. Yeah. And like not. Coming here feels completely different than it Mm -hmm. did even just last year.
3: Mm -hmm. And
1: visiting has been way more comfortable.
3: Mm. Yeah, I think it's like what you're saying. It's like it's faster. Like, yeah, if you want to do it faster, moving somewhere new, we'll do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you're like at the place where you grew up, it's more of an uphill battle. I think our friend, one of our friends was saying that because she's going through the same thing. So it's a little bit harder. You're probably going to struggle a little bit more. But when you move somewhere else, you have a clean clean slate. Nobody knows anything but the you right in front of them.
0: That's a good point. Mm-hmm. So not only, mm-hmm. I think, have I watched Tony step into his mm-hmm. magic, but you also said yes yeah. to a woman's course and yeah. this whole experiential journey. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that?
3: Yeah, I uh, think, it yeah. Mm-hmm. I did a course with Emily Abbott, which was amazing. Highly recommend that. But I think for me, it was that plus... um so I'm Mexican, uh, but I was born in California, so I spend most of my time in the United States. But going back to Mexico was really more of, like, digging into my roots for me also. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, like, I think, I, like, some things I've noticed is, like, my nervous system is more calm there than it was here, mm-hmm. where, like, I didn't I didn't even notice that it wasn't calm while living in the United States. But I feel, like, more of a sense of ease, more calm, like, more where I belong in a sense. Um So I think that really amplified it as well as just like feeling at home and also feeling free because nobody knows who I was in a past life. Um, Yeah. So it's just like a really beautiful place to transform or really, really show your magic, like you were saying.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. So I guess I want to ask, you know, kind of a big final question that will probably take a while to answer, Mm -hmm. but like What is next for you two? Are you coming back to the U.S.? Are you going to stay there? What magic are you stepping into? What offerings? Uh What does the future look like for you?
3: I think I'll answer the first one, that we are staying there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll be in the United States for a couple more months, just uh, soaking in family time and stuff like that. But we fully plan on going back around November. Yeah, somewhere around there um that's
1: the first one what Mm -hmm. else are we well to elaborate a little bit more on that we're going to buy a house we're going to buy land we're going to build a a forever home Uh in todos santos um and that'll be like home base Uh but summers are rough there summers are hot hurricane season is buggy and gross yeah so a lot of a lot of, well, a lot of the Americans that live in that area also travel either back to Canada or back to the U.S. Mm -hmm. or somewhere else in the world that's nice in like (laughs) July, August, um, September. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So we will stay kind of with that frequency Mm -hmm. of like always either traveling to other places in the world that we want to visit, always coming back here and touching base with family and friends here um, in the summer months um, and doing, you know, like, A lot of our stuff, the things that we want to build and the businesses we want to grow is going to require a little bit of like global travel. So there, so that will always be needed. Um, But we intend our home base to always be Toto Santos, at least for, you know, the next 10 to 20 years. Um, And so that's where home will be. Um, What's next? Yeah. What's next? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Growing businesses (laughs) and growing community and, you know, seeing the world Mm -hmm. and like, Just trying to be a light for the community and for our friends and family as much as we can.
0: Yeah. And both of you started like, or worked for a long time at Walmart home office Uh behind a cubicle wall. Did you ever have dreamed that your life would be what it is today?
3: No. Like up until COVID, like not working at office just was not an option Uh. for me. You had already left. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I still very much had a corporate job and it was just something like, I think a lot of people think like you'll do when you retire. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was just didn't even think of it as an option, Mm -hmm. but I cannot ever go back now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Was it worth it? Yeah.
1: (laughs) hundred times. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, everybody has this story. Like, like she said, Mm -hmm. we had this story of like, this deep desire to travel. And I can't tell you how many times we talked about, like, how would we ever get to a place where we could take a just a year off yeah. and mm-hmm. and take our RV and go up and down the California coast? Mm-hmm. Like we were just like, it seems like something you would have to like win the lottery yeah. or, you know, be insanely rich to just not work for a year. Like the idea of working remotely just was not a common thing. I know that there were a lot of people doing it. I know that there was a lot there's a lot of different ways that people have always figured out how to do this lifestyle. I wasn't aware of it. Also part of that like devaluing myself of what I'm capable of <laughs> probably had a lot to do with it. We thought we had to do the normal society programming thing of sitting at a desk and building wealth and house and cars and Mm. picket fence and all the things that you're supposed to have Mm. like we thought we had to have it Mm. but i mean selling the house and selling all of our things and moving into a vehicle and like realizing that there's a lot of other people that are doing that on the road there's people that are doing that on the road with children like every excuse anybody has ever given (laughs) me For like why they're jealous and why mm-hmm. they can't do it. Yeah, we know a hundred people that are doing exactly <laughs> what they're saying they can't do.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: no matter what the excuse is, like there's people that are doing it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: do you have any advice for people that want to break out of the nine to five picket fence mold?
1: do it like just <laughs> like tomorrow yeah just like make make a plan that is gonna make, keep your basic necessities uh, provided for
2: yeah
1: like find somebody's doing it i mean like for us like I, this sounds silly but for us was like following instagram pages of people that mm-hmm. were doing it and okay how are you doing it what do you do like ask people questions yeah like hit us up, DM us on like, if it's like, how do you have service out in the middle of the woods? Starlink. Yeah. How do you, how, where do you find work on the road? Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's so many different things you can, we know nomads that it's like, okay, they're going to like, their version of travel is like, they're going to take their RV and they're going to go set up in Joshua tree. And then they're going to find a job there. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to work an actual regular job where they go into a place and work. Mm -hmm. And then they save. And they stay there for as long as they feel like staying there. And then they're like researching the next place. And then they like, they have, maybe they have a job set up at the next place Mm -hmm. and then they travel there and then they live in Lake Havasu for a few months. (laughs) And so like, there's so many different ways of doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, I mean, it's I have the same idea about that as I do about any form of like what you want to do in life, whether it's business relationship, Mm -hmm. the type of travel, like go find the mentor. Go find the person that's doing what you want to do mm. and, like, listen to them.
3: Mm. I think, like, a really big thing for us before we left, we're like, what's the worst that could happen? I don't know. We have to come back <laughs> and we get another corporate job and yeah. that's okay, right? So we're like, yeah, we can. If we have to, we'll come back. But yeah. we're going to go for it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you guys for coming back on. This Mm -hmm. is a very different episode compared to the other three that we've done. But I think it really shows, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's, it's easy to get like, uh, like not blindsided, but like Mm -hmm. blinders on about all this, like lifestyle stuff and open relationships. And at the end of the day, it's like a sliver of our entire life. Mm -hmm. And you guys show us this mm-hmm. like 360 degree view of like no it's not just this it's also mm-hmm. being a nomad it's mm-hmm. moving to mexico it's mm-hmm. like stepping into my purpose and my power and why i'm here on the planet and continuing to discover that and you know doing a women's group and like mm-hmm. all the cool things that you've done in the last maybe year mm-hmm. since we've recorded i'm not mm-hmm. even sure how long that was episode 56 yeah. or whatever it was but
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: yeah and they're still fun to be had yeah for yeah. sure so much fun
1: Yeah. Giving people more information about how to make judgments of us, sharing more of our story.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. I was like, what? I was like, okay. No, yeah. Like giving
1: people more, like we're more than just open relationship coaches. Mm -hmm. We're also a lot
2: of other things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll put all your info in the link below the links. I'm sure there will be many links. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. guys want to go? Go to Mexico and see them and mm-hmm. you know, do some kind of cool ceremony that yeah. you can't do here in the United States. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a link for that and all your other pages.
2: Cool. Thanks Thank for you so being much.
0: On, as <laughs>